They call it Book Record Beer Season 6, Episode 10, the final episode. Two Nicks standing, two Nicks enter the ring. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, like this is, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was like going somewhere with it. it yes, a very special cast, uh, a exclusive Nick cast, which yeah. is, uh, I think, pretty fitting as well because it's Nicks at night at the end of the month. You know what I mean? Oh, yes, it is. So, oh, yes, it is. Yeah, uh, starting with plugs, starting <laughs> with shameless self promotion. Um, but yes, we are here. To talk about some, I think, very sort of innovative and for their time new things, yeah. um, and this is this is going to be an absolutely wonderful cast. And so, uh, my good friend Nick, how we doing? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm very excited <laughs> to talk about this book. Um, oh, excellent! I'm very excited to drink beer with my bud. You know, it's good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah absolutely. how are you nick um it is funny you know i'm having a weird day <laughs> i'm having a weird day um but i'm doing good i'm doing good i i moved like 35 gig of stuff off my computer so that we, this fucking this old workhorse of a mac mini could could make this thing happen and uh i'm feeling really good about that oh, good, it's actually been you know it's been a week where i've been very productive and i've been making a lot of headway in a lot of things so i feel really good about that it has been a really Can't good beat week it. in that regard. Nice. Yeah, but it was a weird day. Um, and it's it's going to be a weird day uh, to not have Daniel in on this because I think I have a – though we haven't talked about it, sneaking right. suspicion of where you lean on this book. I and do I, too. I'm not sure that he would have <laughs> echoed her sentiment. You know? I do yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so so that's funny in and of, in and of itself. So perhaps we'll have a, a session where we'll like pretend to be Daniel. I think maybe we could do that. Like, and Daniel, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, one of us could pretend. Um, so that'd be funny. We'll do it. Um, but in any case, so and this is you know uh, no fault of Daniel's. It was just um, he uh, he can't be with us right now, and it just is what it is. We wish him the best in his endeavor. He's he's doing right by his his students. Um, we yes, would have been and will be uh, introduced, and what I'm going to introduce us as is, um, you know, people that were a part of or the focus of famous trials. That was going to be how I introduced us, and it will be how I introduce you guys. So Daniel uh, was going to be introduced as Marceau from uh, Albert Camus' seminal work the absurdist masterpiece the stranger yeah that's um, so absolutely 100 percent. nicely done <laughs> <laughs> so for every if you're familiar with it which if you were a 15 year old boy at one point you probably are it's I, it it carries a lot of boy angst vibe like oh. teenage boy <laughs> angst vibes um not to say that it's gendered in any way but i just feel like anything you read about it too right Anything you read about it is is like this is the typical, uh, you know, uh, text of a fifteen year old boy wrestling with his <laughs> angst and ennui. As, and as if that's stuff. irrelevant so, um, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so, but in any case, I I think his um, I think uh, uh, if Daniel were to fully embrace that sliver 
of absurdist darkness that I see in him, sometimes he would be a Merceau, you know? Yes, I like it. That's, that's my thought. Um, and so you, I would have introduced as uh, juror number four from 12 Angry Men. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that text. It's, you know, It's one of my favorite <laughs> things ever. N- nice, yes. nice. Yes, no, I so, love it. Yeah, yeah. Jared number four. I, I think he's he's quite fitting. He's one of the last to come around, but he's steadfast in his opinions and is arguably the only one to produce a rational and logical rebuttal to what the larger group is trying to argue. And I just I could I could see you uh in in that role and 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 and, and being a juror for I don't know it just seemed like when I was thinking about it I was like you know what um, that is uh yeah that is that and I feel like if Daniel were to introduce me um, I would be like Proctor from fucking Crucible or something <laughs> Crucible or something nice. <laughs> You know, yeah. like I'm, I'm sure that's what he would choose. Yeah. Uh, who, who the hell knows? No, I love that you picked Twelve Angry Men for me because it was just like <laughs> you could just call, call me one angry man. You know what I mean? I get it. I, get, you know what I mean? Yeah, it just feels, feels right. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's it is. Um, I saw something popped up the other day with like that end scene, like uh, someone had made not a, even a meme of it. It was just like a clip, like that, that clip that was just yeah. g- going around the socials and stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is such a fantastic, not only play, but like the movie adaptation is wonderful as well, you know, and uh, it's, it's good stuff. Um, and it really is so, That's actually, uh, yeah, I saw that in high school. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so how does this, how on earth does this relate, dear listener? Well, um, in a very big way. So we are um, focused this week on a, it's not new, uh, genre of literature. It's not new at all. Um, but it has been finding its way into, you know, YA. Uh, and anytime something like that happens, um, it becomes extraordinarily popular right so what we're talking about is novels in verse uh, and the novel in verse that we'll be looking at is um, uh, punching the air uh, by Ibe uh, uh, Soboy and um, Yusef Salam uh, and Yusef famously is one of the exonerated five uh, formerly the Central Park five um, and he is is one of those young men who was exonerated uh, from that uh, wrongful conviction. In any case, right. yes, that is that is um, our pair of authors. Um, I think you know um, uh, Zaboy is more of the um, you know the, the 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 writer here, and and some right. inspiration comes from her her friend uh, Yusuf and and things like that. So we can get into that a little bit more uh, when we start the book in a moment. I also chose Dead Prez's 2000 release, uh, Let's Get Free. Um, and I think that's in a number of ways, not even just the title, uh, super connected here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, you know, will be, uh, will be drinking, and this is a nod mostly to Dead Prez here, um, Partake Brewing's IPA. It's a non-alcoholic 
uh, bevy. Uh, and, oh. and we'll get into how those connect uh, in just in just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that, hey, listen. That's the hallmark one. Uh, I'm also drinking a uh, Kieran Echeban uh, first pressed 100 percent. Very good. Brew as well. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's, I, I'm not, uh, you know, but we'll, we'll get into the, We'll get into that, of course, when we do it. Um, so. That's that's the cast. It is it was it was meant to be our uh, February cast. Um, but of course, you know, scheduling is bananas. And this is where we find ourselves in the beginning of March. So we will we will queue it up and <laughs> we'll have a March cast as well. And, and it'll be all good. Um, so that being said, Hell why yeah. don't we jump into the book? Let's jump into the into the book here. Um, you think Let's shall we it. give just like like a. Um, uh brief sort of overview synopsis for dear listener sure yeah yeah uh do you want me to do that <laughs> yeah if you if you want i could do it too no, sure, no, no that worries sounds great. Either so, way. so um we have our protagonist amal who is um caught up in a fight with um with a rich white kid and um, the kid ends up in the hospital. And um, the court case goes very south very quickly for Amal um, through a, a, a ton of biased witnesses, especially an art teacher who just goes and throws the poor kid on oh, the yeah. bus. Um, and then he ends up in uh, a juvenile facility um, for the remainder of the text. And, and he's and trying to keep himself hopeful and alive in this in this in this horrible situation he's in especially because he knows what the situation yeah. was which was i wasn't it was a it was a thing that happened like the, these guys came after us you know it was it, and then we follow him as he tries to um cope with his station at this point which is one that he had no business being in right yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, I, I, I'll agree, man. The, the, the art teacher thing is crushing. Um, especially when we get those flashbacks of what it was like in her class, you know, he's a gifted artist yes. and he's in this AP class and her expectation. I mean, it really, that was something where we have all this PD, on um you know implicit bias and and all these different things that as teachers you need to consider and 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 really think about uh and 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 be again just really thoughtful and mindful of um and reading this it it just brought and probably because i'm more i guess attuned to when things are in literature as opposed to being said to me or at me Mm -hmm. um I, i i tend to take it in differently and looking at that, it just crystallized a lot of those ideas that I think these professional developments and this, uh, you know, sort of like movement towards this recognition um, is attempting to do. Uh, sure. And it was just in the, this character and in those moments that it became really crystallized. Sometimes uh, it was a little, I don't know, um, bordering on stereotype or heavy handed or whatever. Um, but I think the, the essence of it was, was really powerful and and came through. No. Yeah. I I would agree that. um, So uh, 
I am I've I'm of a self-admitted poetry noob. You know what I mean? I've been I, I love poetry. I love words. Sure. Um, and I I don't know how to critique it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't even know how to write it. You know, it's just one of those things. So w- sure. when it comes to this, I was just um and it like swept away. Um but you're absolutely right. There there were heavy-handed bits and there were stereotypical bits, but at the same time it reminded me so much of like Buck, which we did years ago, and I loved that mm. book. Um, yeah. And also my own personal like I worked in juvenile justice for a, way too long, you know what I mean? And um this this was I know the yeah. most visceral and real thing that I've read in a long time. Yeah, I, w- I was really excited to talk to you specifically about this because of that experience and, you know, that whole um, sort of like immersion into this yeah. world that like, you know, I think we all know the woman who's running it. You know, she exists in a lot of different places in education, um, who is sort of the gatekeeper and, you know, yep. m- uh, trying to make him feel like it's a privilege for him to be there and, and this, that, and the third. And just just her, her whole right. persona is something that felt very, very real, especially, I guess, more of like in an inner city public school system that, that felt very real to me. That's a person I know. Um, and, sure. and, you know, and I haven't taught in a juvenile detention center, um, but, but the lines become blurred depending on where you are, you know, in education. And um, I for think, sure. uh, you know, I, I I I do yeah I I I wonder like when you're when you're in there it felt like his experiences in the classroom and with his schedule you know there was the schedule was mm-hmm. he got the schedule he has these things and um that did you find that that the idea of of hope was something that um, was was pretty foreign to like the kids who just entered, the kids who have been there for a while, and like this expectation that they that they take advantage of their time and that they you know try and access a cognitive capacity that they're not even you know in a normal situation going to reach until they're like twenty five. You know, like look ahead. They're trying to make them do something and 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 consider something that like a kid who's not in a juvenile detention center won't be able to do for years. And yet they're supposed to just make this giant leap um, and, and recognize education as, as, as some important thing. Like that was the first thing right. that really struck me was the expectations of the adults and the reactions of the kids being so at odds with one another. Yeah. I, I'm it, in my experience in those places, like hope didn't exist. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it, it wasn't a thing. It was, it was, it was, I'm here. I have to do right. this. I'm going to get out mm-hmm. one day, just maybe not soon, but I uh, like, so you go into a classroom and you want to be, you know, you want to, you want to help people, you know what I mean? But you wind up becoming this caricature right. of the, Oh, um, like the good guy, and you're not a good guy. You're you're part of the system that put these kids in front of you, you know. Um, and it really makes it yeah, really makes it terrible. Like I I remember like the 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 woman that kept talking about her his schedule, like has no idea, yeah, what he's going through and can't, and also doesn't attempt right, to. right. 
Right. She's like the warden. You know, at a certain level, it felt like a little Shawshanky because she's kind of the warden yep. there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and I don't think she's opportunist in the way the Shawshank warden was, but just the role felt felt familiar in that way. You know. Right. Right. I guess. Yeah. I I, I guess the the thing for me too was, um, you know, I wondered, did you ever have a moment where you felt like if you weren't you for instance you might have been able to walk in there and 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 there would have been something different that happened or was it just you know what i mean this expectation of no matter what you looked like sounded like or brought you would still have been like you said, a part of the problem on the, you know, on the other side of things. The, the way, the way it was established in, in any of the places that I worked in, in juvenile justice was always, there was nothing that like, they always talked about the, you know, you hang the carrot in front of the, the kid, you know, the, the thing that's going to get them to where the, but it didn't exist. Like the, because no matter how well a kid would do at the residential facility I taught at, um, he would be there for nine to 12 months and then he'd be put back in a situation where his, the, the behavior that got him there was unavoidable. It was unavoidable. Right. Um, because that was the way he had to live. Um, because of the yeah. system that we, you know, yeah. because of our, 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 our country, because of our world, because of the, of the way things work. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's just very intense. Yeah, yeah, and and that was because because what it's meant to do, and this is just alluded to. It's like implicit in the text. It's not, I don't think, overtly stated, but but the schedule is is implied to equip him with something so that he won't continue that that behavior. But the idea right. of rehabilitation doesn't really enter into the equation at all, you know. And I think that's sort of the fundamental problem with American you know in quotes justice systems Mm -hmm. is is that we we have removed the rehabilitation piece you know like prison was just meant to be a holding thing it it wasn't meant to ever be the punishment right it was just meant to be the interim before you received the rehabilitation or the actual consequence Um, and now we were like oh we can make I mean this isn't I'm painting with a broad brush but like I think it felt like Oh, we can make a lot of money on this, so we're going to make this the consequence, mm-hmm. you know, because we have private prisons and all the rest. I mean, my buddy wrote for the Legal Intelligencer, and he was one of the people who um, broke that story about the judge up in, you know, central PA who was selling kids into the prison system for mm-hmm. years, you know, giving them the, the – he, he was getting kickbacks from the private prison system, and he was – um, you know, giving them the longest sentences. I think a kid got six years for like a eighth of weed or something back in the day, you know? And, and so I, yeah. I just, I was really, um, go ahead. Um, so, I mean, I, one of the judges that used to send students to the place where I worked or stu- uh, kids, you know what I mean? I called students. It's ridiculous. They were just kids, you know? Um, but he would make them count the eyelets on their sneakers. Um, and that was the amount of months he would give them. Yo, that's bizarre. That's so arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Because he's a he's a hateful, monstrous human. Um, 
And sometimes he'd make them count the birds on the power line through the window. And just arbitrarily assign them. Did these kids have like public defenders or, or lawyers or it anything in the, in the room? Because really depended on um, their situation. You know what I mean? But there's there's predatory lawyers out there, too, that are just waiting to exploit poor people. Yeah. I mean, it's like those uh, for-profit colleges, too. You know, you're DeVry's and these other ones where they come in and they can double dip the system by getting kids that are they know very low income into their schools and then they get money back from the government then they get the tuition from the kids and they don't care if they last a year right. because they're getting double dipped anyway you know what i mean um yeah dude i remember i actually when i found yeah. that out it took me a year or two and i found that out and then i stopped having them come in and they the hate the hateful emails and voicemails that were left mm-hmm. because i had stopped them from i, I literally shut off I guess what was a what was a, a, a spigot that was just running wild, yep. you know, uh, for mm-hmm. them. And and it was really, you know, when I was at Ani, I was like, nah. It's really funny that you use yourself. the word spigot because when when the, there would at, at some point the there were judges who decided that we were no longer um, able to take the kind of kids that were coming in and the, the and by the kind of kid i mean they were they were in for more violent crime um there was um sexual offenders that you sure. know what i mean and we we really weren't equipped mm-hmm. for the really really violent gnarly stuff you know what i mean but the judges would say yeah, yeah. we're gonna turn off the tap if you don't take them so is is the so the implication there is money right oh yeah oh yeah i mean because this the the places i worked needed kids in the system to operate and the judges knew that yeah. and they said if you're not going to take the kids we're sending we're just going to shut that spigot off we're going to we're going to turn off that tap and then you can flounder and deal with it yeah man the, i mean it's it's fucking crazy so we we see that in in the book where it's like very clear that mm-hmm. The people in charge and 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 the system as a whole is being uh, uh, there's a light being shined on it. But I like and one of the things that I, I, I truly enjoyed about the book was that it didn't get up on um, a, a soapbox and just focus on those. This is a character driven piece, because for me, it wasn't so much about. Did they did they beat this message into us and put a megaphone to it? That wouldn't have bothered me if that was what it was about. But because it's a really really right. intimate um, a, a piece of you know you know it's poetry, um, I, I felt like to 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 do it that way would have been a little bit. I just would have been a little strange. I think you know mm-hmm. what I mean because the 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 the, the um, novel and verse really does lend itself to sort of this intimate and really. Um, I, I guess, uh, um, have you ever seen, the best way I can describe it is like, have you ever seen something uh, online where it's just these layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of something wound really tight and then someone takes a razor blade to it and it and it comes undone and you see all those really fine yes. layers, you know, sort of re- released and revealed. Yep. I, I feel like a novel in verse like is meant to do that because each poem sort of should stand alone and each one is another one of these real thin because they're short usually and they're they're you know just like very sort of packed but in a very origami sort of like delicate and precise way you know sure. yeah no i think i get exactly what you're putting down <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and so we, I, I say that because um, had it been so many poems of just the critique and the critique and the critique and the critique and the critique, I think I would have checked mm-hmm. out because I wouldn't have been able to uh, connect um, because that 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 song would have been overplayed for me at that point you know if we're talking about you know uh the lyrical quality of this so um yeah i really enjoyed that that was something that that for me was was pretty important and i was wondering for you like what did you think of as a person who primarily writes fiction um you know and and really is immersed in narrative um you know what what did we think of how uh, a novel and verse handles narrative um I thought it was pretty spectacular. Now, my, my brain went to immediately converting it to prose. I don't like. I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it that like I read it. Yeah. Like it was just. Um, so I didn't even think of them as individual poems. I started. I stopped thinking of it as a, a poem. You know what I mean? It just became mm-hmm. this this story, um, and you know the way they weaved in and out of flashback and the the amount of character development they were able to do and only like this economy of words um that was just really stupendous Mm -hmm. um but i think you were spot on in saying like you know you have when you write when you write poetry you write fiction you have this idea of a thing that you're trying to get to you know what i mean the point of the thing um and if you belabor that point Mm -hmm. it doesn't work it, it kind of it kind of doesn't doesn't translate um but they this was a human piece you know what i mean this was about a person yeah. and it was so re- really well done and like i said um it, it didn't even strike me as as poetry i'm like 10 pages in i'm like oh this is just a story <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah 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 i um yeah, I, I, so I've been immersing myself in this, obviously, because I'm uh, uh, writing one myself. And so I was like, I have to understand, like, what's happening here, you know, and what this, this really is. And so it, the, this is coming from, like, this isn't a, a new thing, novels and verse, even though they're finding a lot of popularity in the YA uh, sector right now. Like, we have The Poet X, which is one that came out that's uh, just a fantastic one. Um, as well and uh, that's a YA just as this is and um, this one was actually recommended to me by my student so I have a student okay. who like every day when they're they're walking into the classroom you know um, I'll say hello I'll just be standing out front and the one day she sort of like just like stepped over the side and she was like Malik have you ever read Punching the Air and I was like no and she was like it's from one of the um, y- you know exonerated five and I was like, that's that's fascinating. That's really awesome. Uh, and so I got it and 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 I thought it would be great for this. Um, but I loved that it has made its way into she was a ninth grader, you know what I mean? Into that 14, 15 year old world just naturally like she sought yep. it out. She bought it and she read it and then she recommended it nice. to me, her English teacher. Um, and yeah. I, I just I, I really love that this is and I say that just to say that that this is a mode by which kids who are at this point struggling so hard to focus and it's so difficult for many of them to get into something and to keep that sort of um, focus 
you know, I'm repeating myself, but like that that um, dedication to see something through that's two, three hundred pages, um, that this is able to do it, and they're being almost tricked into dealing with more complex uh, um, uh, writing to a degree. You know what I mean? Um, that they're, they're they're having to subconsciously work a little bit harder, but the access is easier for them somehow that this is, this is uh, like masterful. I just, I, I, I love that it's happening. I'm like really overwhelmed by it. It actually is like kind of moving because I get really upset when I consider that this thing I love so much and that, you know, did so much for me being literature and, and reading novels and things like that um, is, is, is a struggle for so many kids because of these little miracles that were made 15 years ago and are now in their pockets and are, you know, changing the way they're able to, to do things. And we know, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but as educators that reading to your kid is the biggest sort of like indicator of uh, how well they'll be able to think critically and, and, and be able to um, engage with uh, the world and academia and all this other stuff, you know, um, it's such an important thing and reading just does so much. And the fact that so many kids like want to read and come to me and are, are having such a tough time because yeah. they can't stay with it. They have to pull out their phones. They have to, I mean, it's a very, it's just, you, I don't know if you find that uh, kids are, are saying that as well. I know you're not, you know, in, in the classroom, but like you engage with the students a bunch and, and um, the, the, their, their world is so fast paced. You know what I mean? Like they it's and I hate when yeah. it's like, oh, it's immediate gratification. They want everything now, now, now. No, it's like, no, the, the entire world has shifted, has turned into like this overdrive. Um, and, yeah. and we are able to navigate that better because we knew what the world was before. Um, Precisely. And these kids, they're just living in, in their world. And we're asking them to read books and they're, they're finding it difficult because it's not fast. It's not supposed to be fast. It's supposed to make you sit and, 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 and you know, contemplate. But this, not only do you have like this really compelling narrative, you have a big, thick book that'll make a kid feel like they accomplished something. And they did it in a fraction yes. of the time, um, and and that's a gateway. Yep. You know what I mean. That, and they can revisit it. Yes. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Like that that, and that's the thing is I think a lot of people got up in arms about things like flash fiction when that was you know gaining all that steam that it, that it was however long ago and I mean relatively recently but and and now with with this. You know, I think that um, and I don't see it that much, which is a good thing, but that like people m might or could take the the stance of like, oh, you know, this isn't um, uh, 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 the, the same and, and, and we're not engaging them in the same way. We're just sort of like giving them sound bites or something like that or cutting out uh, whatever. And the beautiful thing is you can argue poetry was here before fiction and poetry right forces you to think in a way that you know and, and it's not a better or worse right there's no hierarchy but the 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 fact that you're you're bridging this in such a way and i may be biased just because i've been immersing myself in it i'm really sort of like entranced and fascinated by it um but like 
there's people out there doing this really poorly as well, though. You know what I mean? And so, so that's the thing. Like, I read one just because <laughs> I, I, I was like, you know, trying to, I was trying to um, amass sort of like a, a good amount of, of variety in, in these types of texts and, and, and get to know what's, what's happening in this genre. And one of them was so fucking bad. I don't even know if I rated it. <laughs> on like good reason shit <laughs> it was just terrible um but then you read like uh alexander pushkin's uh eugene onagen right one of one of those uh, it, it's a you know seminal work in, in in the uh russian canon it's it's wonderful it's philosophical it's it's got a uh, uh, love and heartbreak and all this stuff in it and it also follows a very strict uh meter and rhyme scheme you know um, which is mm-hmm. uh, to me sort of fascinating that that kept my uh, attention as much as it did because it's it's old. I mean, it's you know, well over I think 150 years old. So um, there's this wide variety to say yeah. that, and I agree with you. I, I I absolutely love that we might be introducing this whole generation of students to this way of engaging with both narrative and poetry and just diction in general and the importance of word choice and like what that does. And um, I, I, I can't say enough about it because I am I am hesitant to to give anything away in the book because it's, you know, relatively new and, and, and I hope people read it and stuff like that. Um, but those were big yeah. things that's that stuck out to me, you know. Totally. And I, I also like, you know, a, a lot of YA tends to um, wrap things up in a nice little bow. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. This is not to say like mm-hmm. the stories aren't dark or, or intense or adult. Yes, I'm so glad you're bringing you know, this because up. Because they are. The, in fact, a lot of YA is darker than the shit that you see in a, in a quote-unquote adult novel. Um, but what they do tend to do is finish. You know, they end. They have an ending. Um, and this doesn't it doesn't offer answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting too, because you, you are limited in your perspective. You're very close. Right. Um, uh, but as you say, like you don't really, it's not that you don't, I think you find the protagonist to be an honest character and not an unreliable narrator, but you do, as you say, by the end, not get any answers on if he did put the kid in a coma and and how much of that. And I love that he's like he's not under the influence, anything like that. It's almost a Lord of the Flies sort of like dance uh, that kills Simon that he finds himself in the middle of. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Because it it is this sort of, um, you know, large scale brawl where many parties are involved and he just happens to be caught in it and i love that he's characterized by the end you know as someone who doesn't fit into that crowd typically that he happened to to be there and his reaction might have been one of acting in a way that he thought one should act to, to, to exist in that space, you know, because he's actually this artist and, and uh, in a lot of ways, this sort of sensitive soul. I think, you know, the ideas that come up here, like, you know, the, the, the rich white kids are on the other side of those courts in that park because it's been gentrified, 
you know, and that's something that just it just exists in the novel. It's put out there and it exists is like this is the reality of when this happens. This is what this is what goes on. It's not belabored. It just is. And that happens a few yes. times with a few different things. Um, one of the things uh, I was wondering and I wanted to just chat about mo- for a moment is um, the really graphic tattoo on the one officer's arm. And that to me, yeah. I, I wondered like, I just wondered your thoughts on it. Like I see it as more symbol than, than reality. And that was one of the moments where I had to make a choice of, am I reading a poem now or am I reading like more novel, you know, cause it's a, a novel in verse, right. right? So I that that was something that like if I was reading a straight novel, I would think about it in one way, and if I was reading a poem, I would think about it in another. I don't know if you had the same dilemma, but every time it came up, uh, and it was many, I found myself in that middle space. Yeah, so that that was the thing that that took me right out, right? Like okay. obviously people have I can I can absolutely see that. Yeah, obviously people have heinous tattoos. Obviously people with heinous tattoos have jobs. You know what I mean? It, it, it's it's it's. But like even even in places like like a prison or a juvenile detention facility, um, I, I would like to think that a person who has that type of thing won't let it be seen, or they won't be working there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It yes. just it just struck me as like okay this is this it's a mall's perception of this man because he is a hateful nasty son of a bitch and of course mm-hmm. that is what a thing a thing that he would have on him but it, it just if this were if this weren't a poem at the end of the day um, and it were if that were in a novel that would mm-hmm. mm, that wouldn't do it that would not do it for me yeah 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 I I really. If it wouldn't have been so frequent, and not that it's a million times in the book, but it was enough where I was like, oh, I wonder if I'm the only one getting hung up on this, you know what I mean, getting sort of stuck um, here. Because I think the same thing could have been done with um, something said or, you know, just what he does to him when he first gets there, you know, and and that kind of thing. You know, it was it was um, it was like. Yeah, one of those things that 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 sort of struck me, and I think maybe that's the nature of people who are typically fiction writers or who are typically poets, whereas our author was typically a poet, um, engaging in this in this form that's that's not new, but is new to us or new to many sure. writers. Um, and, and yeah, I and, mean, it was just yeah, like a that, matter that of like just, I remember thinking, maybe, I don't know how long ago it was. Yeah, no, and I, I think it was a good point to bring up, especially you know with with the the nature of this piece, and I just thought I like it immediately brought me to that that Philly cop who had like the um, that Nazi eagle tattoo. Um, mm. I I think they fired yeah. him. You know what I mean? I think they did at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And they're cops, so like if the cops yes, are getting should, rid yeah. of the Nazis too, like I would think he's not going to be. <laughs> you know? So yeah, yeah. There were there were a few things, and sometimes it was um, word choice. It just didn't seem to fit him, um, you know. Uh, and and there was just a few things 
where it, it sounded more like the author um, than it did the character. Right. Um, and that, uh, and, and I made it a, a note, and my mother fucking post it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like, I, I, it was something like, it wasn't a silly thing like skin and marinky do or something like that, but it was something close to it enough where I was like, I don't know. I'm all saying that. I don't think so, right. you know, and, and there was just a few things where I got taken out, but otherwise I thought this was, um, a really, really well put together piece. And I was really glad that it wasn't set in the eighties and it was contemporary and it didn't feel like we were getting, um, Yusuf's like, um, autobiography or even memoir, or anything like that. It was just like an informed look. Um, and yeah. it had the credibility and the ethos, um, because of who was a part of it. No. Yeah. I think, I think it does a really nice job of separating reality from the, this story. Like this is obviously an adaptation, um, and a really mm-hmm. good one uh, and a really effective one. Um, and because like I, I yeah. often find, um, like I don't read a ton of biography or, or memoir because I, I, it, it feels too close to the, to the thing. And like when you're, I don't know, I, could, I guess, oh, yeah. I guess fiction just works better for me than, 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 than other stuff. Yeah. Um, because it's it's just a it's a step away, and it's like what what do we gain? What can we take from that thing, as opposed to here's the thing. Right. Yeah. It, there, there's more interpretation. There's more, I think, chance for the reader to see themselves in it. Yes. Um, unless you're reading a memoir or a biography or an autobiography that's about someone that you really really have a deep connection to. You know. Totally. Um. I think I think that yeah. for me anyway. I don't know if this is for anybody else, but for me, that's always been the thing is like to see myself in it enough. Um, yes. Is always a little bit difficult if I'm just reading a memoir or a biography that I don't already have this really strong and deep connection to the person who's writing it. Um, right. And, and, and that's not that's to take anything away from those things. You know what I mean? It's just like a personal, like I, I know a ton of people that would read like a thousand page biographies and Winston Churchill. I'm like, well, good for you, dude. I'm just not going to spend my time like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bertrand Russell is one that I really want to read and it's, it's super fucking long and I know it's going to be, um, difficult but i really want to read it just because i'm fascinated by the guy you know what i mean and i might find myself sure. so far afield of that character <laughs> that he is um that that it doesn't it's not a good idea but overall i mean my closing thoughts on this if we're if we're thinking that's that's where we're at which i think so um uh, yeah, how no, about I'm, you i think so okay I'm yeah good, so yeah. I, I i mean yeah my my closing thoughts on it are really you know this is i think as you already said, a, a wonderful adaptation of something we know exists, a number of things that we know exist, right? From wrongful conviction, from racism, from gentrification, from a broken justice system, like all of these things are able to be wound up in this and not shot at you like a sawed off. And it works in a way that I think also is able to engage young people in uh, literature in a, in a way that's going to set them up to really 
I think potentially develop a deep love or at the very least bring them back to it um, in, in a way that even and this isn't a knock whatsoever, but even in a way that even like I think a lot of graphic texts um, are kind of able to, but not in the same way. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't I don't know that it's a good idea to get into any debate on that. You know, like not that I don't want to debate it, but I, I just I don't think we we could take a long time to explore it Um, because I think graphic, I teach a graphic novel with every one of the novels I teach, right? I go out of my way to make sure that they're there, but in reading these and starting to immerse myself in them, I'm seeing that there is a difference and that's that that's, that's, that's all it is. It's, it's no better, no worse. Just there is a, there is a difference. And I I think that for those kids that were going to get into literature in a big way, this might just expediate that is all. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think this is a, this this genre is a gateway to um, kids who are growing up in this world that is just in completely insane, and they don't they don't have a frame of reference, so it's just reality. It's not insane to them. It's just the way things are. Um, they kind of do think it's insane, though, a little bit. Well, I mean, I kind of always thought that you know my world was insane too, and when I was like fifteen, yeah, and like and like I look back now, I'm like, my God, that was like. Uh, yeah, like a, a thing you could have watched in a film strip in history class. But I just think this yeah. was a really, really tremendous reading experience for me. It was, uh, it's really well done. I would recommend it for um, folks who are trying to get something new or read something new, or for a kid who's looking for something to read that is really going to be gripping and 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 and. Um, wonderful um but i just had a great experience with it and i'm and i'm happy to have read it excellent yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i'm i'm gonna do the daniel take <sighs> fucking poets <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was it i got him so so uh yeah when he listens to this back he's gonna be like hey, he's got my number he really did um <laughs> That's 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 all I got no, on him. That's good. But yeah, excellent, excellent. I, I, I agree. I'm really glad you enjoyed it, um, for sure. Um so we are gonna jump into uh uh Let's Get Free, and this is of course um the album by um Dead Prez. And so um one of the, the main reasons why uh why I, I, I picked this album or paired it with the book is because um, I, I, I think they're both at their core sort of like exploiting um, or rather exploring the idea of, of perception and how that influences action, you know, um, because if you see Dead Prez and especially if you saw him in 2000 or the late 90s, you had a particular perception of what hip hop was, what hip hop artists were about and rapped about and, and sung about and, and just were about. Um, and then if you put on this fucking 18 track album, you would find that you were not in any way prepared for where this was going to take you. Um, and that was, that was my, uh, engagement with it back in the day was I love that song hip hop. I thought that was fantastic. I loved the video. I loved how it was like this very seemingly rebellious, um, like literally like sort of let's break away from 
the entire society as we know it kind of call to action um and and just this this idea that like especially as a young person who was uh you know thinking that i would want to get into the music industry and seeing like these were people who to me seemed immensely popular in the music industry and they were calling it out in a big fucking way on that song especially and throughout this album um but then you listen to the album you're like no they're calling out every aspect of how we live like one by one and 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 fucking it up (laughs) and i was like i was like this is fantastic and and you know sort of like side note that's why i chose the non-alcoholic beer right because this is like eating healthy dude they used to throw apples into the crowd at their shows they literally would be like you need to eat healthy and throw like healthy produce into the crowd absolutely yeah yeah 100 percent. that's awesome that's awesome yeah yeah so so for anyone who's who's um you know uh perhaps um unfamiliar the dead prez is uh you know a group that that formed in 96 um they met at like sort of a uh, agricultural college in florida um and it's composed of stickman and m1 um the the two met at this agricultural college in in florida and then um you know split and uh um got engaged in the uh uru movement um i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly and that seemed to be pretty taxing it seemed like um a a a version of um you know the 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 movement that was in west philly um for a while just just um but they're they're they are very different i I shouldn't even mention that because they're not really the same thing at all but in any case then they uh they have a you know if you look at it a very sort of like militant look at what the genre of hip-hop and what their platform should be used for like social justice self-determination um you know uh, sort of like taking this really moral or ethical stance uh, uh against quite a bit you know like um corporate control over over the media obviously i already said they're you know critiquing hip-hop record labels and all this stuff they're critiquing the way that we eat and what we eat and and how we choose to spend our time i mean there's literally you know songs and, and i guess this is where i wanted to start is like there's 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 songs titles that are discipline psychology happiness you know these are all and they're just exploring those ideas <laughs> in it um and and for me i mean i love discipline that was that's always been one that when I find myself and I wish I would have like remembered it more in college, it starts with a phone call of a dude calling up um, dead Prez to invite them to a party. Right. It's going to be off the chance. This, that, and the third. And they're like, no, you know, I got to hit the studio and I, I got things. Um, I, I got to, I got this to do, but you, you keep, you, you hold it down for us, you know? And, and that's the phone call. And I love that it starts like that and that they had the balls to put that on there because it went against everything that was happening in hip-hop at that time you know biggie on a boat like all this stuff that that was embracing excess and partying and luxury and that kind of stuff 
um and and we know that that the hip-hop artists that weren't dead prez were absolutely had to be disciplined to be able to be putting out the amount of material that they were and doing but they they weren't bothering to to say that and dead prez's view and focus and another reason why these are paired is the youth it's the next generation you know they're 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 not talking to their peers they're talking to the kids like think about this you know remember that phone call and remember that if somebody respects you they'll respect your decision not to come get wasted i, I just right. I, I was always always really fascinated and, mo- and moved by that i don't know if, if any of those like real overt because i know you always you do have a, a a thing usually with things being too on the nose so i wondered what you thought about those that are that are Really on the nose. Well, you know what? I, I, it's, you want to talk about on the nose. So a lot of this reminded I, – and you know me. My, my brain works in, in levels of like, is this a punk thing or not? You know what I mean? And, and, <laughs> yeah. and this Trump, this is a punk record, man. And not only yeah. is it a punk record, it's like a it's like Start Today from Gorilla Biscuits, which is it's, – it's, it, it is sort of preaching. Oh. It is sort of this is the way I live. This is it is. Yeah. Hey, shut your mouth and listen to me. I have something to say, um, and that mm-hmm. can be on the nose. And stuff that's on the nose is okay. It's not. Um, it's. I think everybody likes to think it's like, oh well, it, it's too. It's too much this way or too much that. I'm like, no. Sometimes it just works, and this worked. <laughs> you know. Um, oh yeah, I'm. So, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm glad you, you enjoyed it. That was my biggest fear um, was that that was going to really taint the record for you or something. No, because you know what it, it reminded me of in, in terms of like the, the beats and the, and the musicality itself. It reminded me a lot of like uh, Jurassic 5 records. And like I was obs- mm. I'm obs- I love Jurassic 5. Um, and they they had a bit of that. Um, what yeah. they call now, they call it like conscious rap. You know what I mean? Which is basically just people talking about real things <laughs> you know what i mean um, yeah <laughs> yeah and yeah then, um, and it so all has its place I, I was absolutely it all has its place by yes yeah but drawing that that line from a thing that i've loved since i was a kid in jurassic 5 to something that i hadn't heard before and then being able to draw it farther back to be like this reminds me of a hardcore record from the 80s um it's just it's just really special yeah yeah that's wonderful i i dude i love that you pointed out that connection too because i didn't make it but i've always thought of this as sort of like the the punk of the hip-hop scene at that time like the punk record of that, the hip-hop totally. scene at that time just like i think of buddy guy as the punk blues musician you know what i mean like there's there's these there's these these characters and these artists that embody an ethos that it actually supersedes that label of punk. Oh, sure. I think. I, I think it's 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 just sort of anti, um, or that's not even doing it justice. You understand what I'm saying, though. It's it's just it's. Um, no, it's, I do, and and, and punk uh, is genuine. There's a, a genuineness about yeah. it. There's an authenticity about yeah. it that that doesn't yes. it, it it can't be touched. It's Teflon. It can't be touched by any of this other stuff that tries to attach itself to it. Um, and I think that that to me is is what this record really embodies. I mean, eighteen fucking tracks is 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 not unheard of on a hip hop hip hop album for sure, especially when you talk about collaborations and stuff. But there's not a ton of those on here, and there's a very clear arc to it. 
you know, like there's, it's, it's just like real evident what they're trying to do. Um, but when you get to the end, you, you have to take in a lot. And I think it mimics uh, novel and verse in that way too, because you, you, you're unpacking and unpacking and unpacking. And then by the time you get to the end, you realize you have a lot more work to do to really get, get it. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's great. The the one thing I, I will say I balk at a little bit is is very long albums. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, dude. No, I, I I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, and th- there's nothing wrong with them. I, I think they're yeah. really great. Like I listen. If you if you would have told me when I was 15 years old that my favorite band just came out with a record and there's 20 songs on it, I would have been like, that's the greatest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. Wow, what a treat. Um, but <laughs> 18, 20 track, it's a lot of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Dude, that's how I have it labeled. I have it. It just says my one. My first note is 18 MF tracks. Um, yeah. and, and it's because it's, it's, it's more of a statement than anything, but it, but it really is. It's like, you know, um, it, 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 I wonder like if them and this is a, this is an interesting thing I think in in our you know for artists in general is like is there ever a level of authenticity that's too much where you just you totally embraced everything that you thought you should do in that moment and you pushed it in a way that the public at large like not even your your niche audience was totally ready for um because i mean when you think about it this idea of 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 being disciplined and and, and what it means to be happy and eating right and treating your body well and being mindful and all this stuff i mean this is what kids are talking about now 20 plus years later you know it's the popular thing now it's current 20 plus years later they i mean they were so ahead of the curve curve and what they're talking about and what they're choosing to to put on their album i mean this whole idea the 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 song mind sex right where they're literally talking about instead of fucking playing chess because they want to be with the woman's mind before they're with their body like dude uh, you know, you listen to that. I actually forgot about that song. And when I went back to re-listen to it for the cast, I was like, Jesus Christ, I remember not understanding this, right, when I first listened to it, largely because I was, uh, you know, a fucking virgin. But I'm, like, also thinking about it, like, like, what do they mean? Like, what do they mean by that, by having that sort of, like, erogenous zone of the mind touched first? Like, what does that do? I didn't get the mm-hmm. complexity for many reasons, sure. um, but it, it, I don't think it's meant for a 15-year-old to really get <laughs> in that way, too. So, again, what I'm saying is I, I, I think that that's something where they just planted this thing. And it would, if you let it, stay in, in your head for, for the time when you needed it and, and would be a better person because of it. Again, they're just planting seeds in, in, in the younger generation or two generations before. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and that that's always like it's it, you have this idea and like I don't obviously these guys had something to say. They wanted someone to listen and they wanted young people to listen. But like they they also they had to have known just like you said that this wasn't about they're going to get it like that. 
this is going to be about they're going to mm-hmm. they're going to go hear everything else and they're going to go and and do stuff and make mistakes and and learn and then they're going to circle back and they're going to see this and they're going to understand that those values what they were talking about are are real if if they're if the kid is or if the person is an analytical human you know what i mean which not everybody is yeah i think also there's something to be said about like you know when you look up to your your idols or your your artists that you really think are intelligent you know and i i think i you know you hear even this um douchebag uh andrew tate or whatever um, yeah. people talking about how how but the conversation you know if it if it ever comes across my purview is is like oh he's really good at chess or oh he's he's really smart and, and it seems to be that's the justification for these um people who who are enamored with him to to follow him and to do this that you know and, and the third in 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 whatever for whatever reason and i think what's cool about these guys is they're they're demonstrating that that's that's not enough that's just one piece right. of it right and 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 you you have guys like uh dave Chappelle. i mean hip-hop was the 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 opening theme song for the for the Chappelle show it was in every episode you know yeah. what i mean the, right. that's a, that yeah. unmistakable fucking synth and drum beat um yeah. and it's it's one of those things where th- that was a dude especially then who was who was held up you know on on just about everybody's shoulders as the, as this brilliant social critiquing genius and and um you know it it was it was such a nod to them that he of all people would have them sort of i think they were his headliner at his his uh cookout as well right his block party um that he had back in in the day um they definitely played it i I don't know if they i know like i think the fujis might have been the headliners actually i mean he had he had some fucking Nas was there. I think it was. It was a lot. It was a fucking crazy talent. But I know he has that row. place. Like Thelonious Monk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like you know. But but his dudes are like Thelonious Monk and Dead Prez. You know what I mean? And and that's right. like shit. Like that's you're in that company. Holy, holy fuck, man. Um, it's it's just one of those things. And yeah, I can't say enough good things about this this album. I think. You know, the the chances they took and this sort of unabashed look at just being outside and embracing it. Um, I, I, I love that. I, I just I really it was just so to me the definition of what I idealistically and now in reality could say art is for. Yeah. And I, what I what I really like about this, the implications of this record was like. You know, th- this was made um, at a really interesting time in hip hop when, when none of this was being said, and and then you look back, he's like, wait a minute, you look at any popular song, it, this is the opposite of that, and yet this is still mm-hmm. being made and still finding an audience because there always was one, and like people tend to think that there's this like mainstream and and like that's the thing you should be listening to. And it's like, no, there is stuff underneath that. And there is yep. a place for that stuff. There's always a place for that stuff, but this is right underneath. And if you want to dig, it's there for you. And you can get away from that stuff that might just be rotting yep. your brain a little bit. Yeah. Or just not challenging you, you know, uh, you, you, you have to be challenged. As you say, there's a place for comfort. You know, there, there, there's a place for um, a, a warm blanket of art, 
You know, there absolutely is. Totally. Um, like, uh, and then there's a place you know, for those... like a raw ass ludicrous track. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, you know, people, people shit on, um, now and, and back in the day, I think people shit on corn, right? Um, but like, I remember watching Beavis and Butthead, and when Blind comes on, and it's like, and Butthead's like, oh my god, this could rock, and they fuck, and it kicks in, and it does. Say what you will about that band, say whatever you will about that band. If you could literally move so much of the popular, there's so few people that would listen to that and not like fucking give oh, yeah. you one of these. Oh, totally. Um, I'm <laughs> nodding my head with much emphasis uh yeah you know it's it's like um it's it's something undeniable you know and and connective um and and this just does it with fucking 20 more layers you know um and uh and i like that i like being challenged oh totally and i like i like you know dude it's 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 just so funny you know because this came out around or close to um, that song, uh, uh, oh, by New Radicals. Do you remember that? I do. That New Radicals song. Yep. Yeah, where they're in the mm-hmm. mall, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, he's talking about Marilyn Manson. Courtney Love will will kick your asses in and stuff. You know what I mean? And it's it's just such like a <laughs> soft rebellion. <laughs> it's it's just the yeah, right. The softest rebellion. You know, and, and, but it, but it, but it is you know a really well written song, and and it it's 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 doing a saccharine version of the themes that you find and stuff that is is more of the you know has that visceral reaction yes. in and where it's touching well where it's touching that you know your your brainstem as well as your uh, as well as your your sort of gut and emotional response. Um, totally. Cerebellum. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I. I I, this is a fucking great album, and it's funny because our um, our Black Student Union did a a, a a musical sort of rundown of the twenties to now of like uh, black influence on music and 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 all this stuff, and uh, they like straight skipped the eighties, like it, it was it was so funny because <laughs> me and some of the other teachers were like, oh, there's so much stuff there, and they oh no, it was I think it was the seventies. I think it was this. It was either a seventy, maybe it was the seventies and eighties combined, and they kind of just like touched upon it. I was like heavy D. Like I was just thinking of all these these people, and it's funny because Dead Prez wasn't wasn't mentioned. And then I started thinking. I was like, I wonder like what's going to happen in ten, fifteen years when these guys start getting found again. You know, like a heavy D or like a yeah. like a, a Dead Prez, and and then. And then if, if everything's just going to almost like a lagging Zoom call catch up to to itself in that sort of rapid, like, <laughs> animatronic fucking way. I see what you did I there. don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, I don't know using if you've what had I got. Just using like what's I, in front I of love, me. Um, <laughs> I love um, MMR, like the classic rock station. And... Um, mm. It's it's so wild to see what's circling back, you know. Oh, like, dude! You're listening like, and you're like, wait a minute, 
This is Nirvana. This is a Foo Fighters song. This is Blink-182 on a classic rock station. What the fuck is wrong? What has happened this to my life? Soundgarden. <laughs> right. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so you never know the type of shit that'll stay relevant or the stuff that'll dredge up. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's a song. So I have always been a huge fan of, of Joy Division and New Order. Nice. And there's a song called Regret by New Order. That is, it is a, it is such a, um, I mean, it is the pop, it is a, their poppiest song, I'd argue, yeah. you know, uh, I think it was on Baywatch <laughs> or it was used for Baywatch or something. You know, I, I forget what it was. It had that associate had some really popular association. Um, but that song, dude, without fail, every time I hear it, even if I purposefully listen to it a number of times in a row, will bring back this sort of wave of of memory and and all this this stuff um without fail it's just there's certain songs like that and um yeah i wonder you know uh if if that is going to strike some of the younger generation some of these types of songs are going to become that for them because they heard their parents listening to it or they heard it at grandpa's house or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Like that's why I love Bobby Darren because you know, I, I heard it at my grandfather's house and it now has this, this thing for me. Um, and, and these have such a strong message. It's like, um, it'll be cool. It'll be, it'll be kind of interesting to see. Sometimes you, know? you just want to see if you can um, just jump into a time machine, see what's up and then come right back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, for me, this is, this is one of the best hip hop albums of all time. Um, it's, it's so up there for me. Um, and again, this is a genre that, that I, um, I, you know, don't have a, a huge depth of knowledge on. So take that for what it is, but I feel like I've listened to enough that that I can tell that this this separates itself in a big way. Sure. No, I I, th- I really enjoyed it uh, uh, quite a bit. It, um, there was just a vibe to 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 rap records back then. You know what I mean? That like there was music and the beat. Yeah. And now it's kind of like the beat, and that's cool too. Like some of it's really good. That's today. You know what I mean? But yeah. like uh, that 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 '90s vibe. Yeah that early 2000s vibe was so good and i wish um i'd i'd allowed myself as a teenager to 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 listen to it more so i'd have a better frame of reference today as an adult going back because back then i was like a pig-headed asshole i was like "Ah, if it's not punk i don't want to listen to it wait a minute bro you listen to blink 182 like come on man yeah 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 Yeah, no, that's that's that is true. Yeah, I had a few friends who who were always playing it, so that was that was helpful. And th- I think as a drummer, I was always drawing because they had live drums. You know what I mean? They would always mm-hmm. have live drums. That was like a big thing. Or they would have you know the the drum machine or the Roland or whatever, but they would have it sort of doubled. And um, I was uh, you know a big fan of that, like Bombs Over Baghdad by Outkast. Those drums are fucking awesome. I I learned those like instantly. This beat I loved. Uh, uh, Notorious Thugs with Biggie and and um, and Bone Thugs and Harmony, dude. That fucking beat is awesome too. And they're they're live, you know. They're real real drums, like you're saying, with like these 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 added layers. And and it, there's there's just like sort of a, a rawness, like you could see it 
you know, happening in front of you. Like, and it's not that it's just sure. some machine that's sort of pulling out the loudest, you know, most uh, uh, sort of like bombastic parts and, and, and just sticking them together, which some sure. uh, popular music now sounds or feels like. Sure. Totally. I just love the, um, as I grew up, yeah. you know, discovering the connection between rap and hardcore. Like these hardcore vocalists yeah. were listening to rap for their cadence, for the way they would put words together. Like, the, I mean, they, they, they borrowed from yeah. each other. It's, it was awesome. Well, there was a whole album where metal bands covered hip hop songs and I think vice nice. versa. So Static X did hip hop on an album there's a cover of static x doing hip-hop um which i guess they're more new metal or whatever well, but in any case well they had a fucking groove static x did like this they they, yeah. they had, man they could you could dance to that shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude and dude they do hip-hop that way too it's good it's really good um <laughs> nice. Nice. nice awesome 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 yes. all right let's uh let's do it man let's, let's drink let's, beer let's drink some beers yeah um so I am drinking, you know, in 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 uh, you know reverence to to dead present, this idea of, of of healthy living and stuff like that. Um, I recently went out to see the Wrens uh, two weeks ago with my my really good buddies, and uh, one of them who is who is sober now, and he was talking about these um, partake brewing beers, and he said they're they're actually a little dangerous because they're so they taste good and they're so kind of close that you're like, oh, <laughs> this is, you know, like there's like, I think, 0.5 percent alcohol or something like that. But he's like, you know, sure. you got to You got to be careful if you're if you're trying to be sober because um, they're they're really pretty, pretty tasty. So um, that's what I'm drinking. It's it's, um, you know, the dude who made partake. Uh, was diagnosed with with Crohn's and he decided to give up alcohol because that's, you know, sort of a. I guess an inf inflammatory for that particular disease. And uh, he also realized that like, I guess realizing like how much of his social life revolved around going out with friends and, and drinking and stuff. So he invented uh, this beer in, in 2017. So it's about, um, you know, nice. five or six years old at this point. And uh, it was largely because he found that there wasn't really low calorie, well-brewed, non-alcoholic beer. It was kind of the dusty thing that was in the corner of the, distributor you know and uh and so he he did these so he's got a blonde he's got a goza he's got an ipa um and i got the nice i got the ipa so that's that's what i'm going to be going with um and i have another beer as well because uh i'm gonna double down but i'll be honest with you i actually have um been thinking about and and been engaging i went to a party saturday and i had like a beer um mm. and you know uh we had a babysitter and all that and i just felt the need to just have a beer and you know what i woke up the next day i was fucking productive <laughs> as hell i felt great you know i i did like yard work and shit and and i was really i'm really thinking about like in, in a serious way like having like two kids and 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 all the stuff like i have such limited free time that if i mm -hmm. spend it crushing myself it's like fun for a, a little bit sure but also like takes me longer to recover now and it's not you know like like it's it's not the same you know it's it's really yeah. not the 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 same um as it was and i think also like a lot of 
my uh, buddies who I would drink with and, and whatever else, like half of them are sober and half of them don't live near me. You know what I mean? So like uh, for as a perfect example, you're out in Flower Town for right. one, right? And, and, and shit like that. And it's just like almost a proximity thing too. So um, cutting, cutting back is, is, has been pretty, pretty, pretty sweet. Um, but again, I went and saw the fall of Troy on Sunday with my brother and oh hell you know, yeah got into it a little bit so it it <laughs> it, 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 uh, <laughs> it it you know it, it ebbs it ebbs and flows um, but in any case um, that's what I'm doing what are you what I are got you doing? Uh, I'm doing a workhorse um, a shocker you know what I mean um, but they did a limited release I'm blown away <laughs> <laughs> but they just put out a German pilsner um, it's tap Ooh. room only. And dear lordy, is it delicious! It is crisp, it is dry, um, and it's just that right nice. bitter that you know you, that you want out of a nice drink. And you can it can sit and you can you feel like you can drink them all night long because you're not getting blitzed on a high ABV IPA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's delicious, and oh they're yeah, they're doing a really nice job with this. And I and I wish they'd can keep it on their menu um, for longer, but I think they're just doing a one and done, which is cool too. Yeah, Double Nickel did that, uh-huh. right? They were doing ones that I think there was one that we got that was like for the World Cup or something way back, and it was it was really tasty, and I remember wanting to get more, but they, it just didn't yeah. exist anymore. So yeah. I was at Workhorse um, twice in two weeks, and I <laughs> I bought two cases of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, dude, I'll tell you what. Um, when I found, I was actually looking for a Brooklyn brewery because that's been. Um, you know, just for, for like sort of um, uh, keeping with the theme for, you know, this was supposed to be a Black History Month cast as well. Uh, but like Brooklyn Brewery has always been a black run brewery. Um, and so I was looking for that. And to your point, I used to buy cases of their pennant ale because I mm. thought that was such a great, easy drinking beer. And they uh, I can't find it. You know what I mean? Like it's really difficult to, to locate. Um but yeah, I'm gonna take a swig of this. I'm sure. gonna try this partake. Hell yeah, dude! It's really good. Nice. It's like surprisingly really. You know what's good. funny? Um, That's wild. I had a, I did a, a 5K, uh, maybe like a year and a half ago, and it was at this firehouse. There's only like 150 people in, and it was sponsored by. Um, I can't remember the goddamn brewery. Son of a bitch begins with an A. Anyway, they're they're all NA beers. You know what I mean? They they specialize in non-alcoholic. Okay. And I had a hazy IPA after this 5K with it had no alcohol in it, and man, it was good. Yeah, yeah, this is really, like, this is genuinely really tasty. This is something like, if you're drinking, you throw one of these in, you know, or in, sure. in between. That would be yeah, cool. Know, it down uh, a little bit, you know, like pace yourself. Yeah, yeah that's smart. Yeah, yeah, dude. This is, um, I'm, I'm. <laughs> I'm just so genuinely surprised, uh, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. So, when I first my first legal beer uh, when I turned 21 was at the General Lafayette Inn, right in Lafayette Hill, which doesn't exist anymore. But they were a microbrewery. It was like the first in, in the area outside of like I mean Yards was here, obviously, but um this was just yeah. like in-house they had their own beer it, you couldn't find it anywhere anyway i had that and i was talking to my dad i said we got to go there he goes you know what we should do we should open a brewery that just ser- serves he called it near beer so na um 
and I was like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, who would go to that? You know, who would go to that brewery? Like, like coffee, you drink coffee for caffeine, you drink beer for the alcohol, you know what I mean? And sure enough, these, these non-alcoholic breweries are cropping up everywhere, and they are so popular. And my dad came up to me and goes, you're a real asshole, you know that? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a perfect dad thing to say and do, too. Yep. <laughs> oh man yeah no that's that i'll tell you what man that is that is that is so wild that that was his sort of instinct that's was, and and that was uh 16 years ago <laughs> so like he was way ahead of the time yeah wow that is that is yeah. wild that is so wild um Good on him. Listen, Good on him. Yeah, we never uh, did honestly, anything about I, it. I, here we are. If you're if you're <laughs> of the mind to uh, to to engage with non-alcoholic malt beverages, um, partake is a is a is a great fucking way to do it. It's just I am so surprised. I just am genuinely surprised, and mostly because when you brew beer, brew beer, um, it's like sweet. If it you know before it has it's developed the alcohol right it's a, it, the 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 wort is sweet, um and yep. and this is is not not that it's a genuinely IPA flavored beer <laughs> beer <laughs> wow yeah beer all right I I think I think it's time to to wrap this puppy up it has been um it has been wonderful chatting with you it sure has it's a Nick exclusive cast my goodness you know. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> no curmudgeon to to curmudge us, and uh, <laughs> um, we'll we'll have to get his take though on uh, on on these things because um, I know he was really really pumped, especially to talk about the album. So we'll uh, we'll chat with him another time. But um, yeah, man, great to see you. Had a had a goddamn blast wow. and a little what shameless self promotion. Absolutely. Um, if if you're around in the Philadelphia area on the 31st of March, the uh, wonderful bookseller, A Novel Idea, will be having myself, Mr. Nick Gregorio, and our great friend, Mr. Nick Pirelli, as well as some surprise and uh, pretty fantastic guests yeah. um, to the second annual Nick's at Night uh reading extravaganza some some just some oddball fun so uh, uh come on out if you if you feel so inclined i wish i remembered the start time i believe it's but I 6 30 is the start time fantastic i was about to say seven so i'm glad you <laughs> it makes you because you get to hang out with a bunch of fucking nicks so <laughs> It's just a Nick extravaganza. <laughs> yeah. It's even more Nickish than this, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean? If you exactly. can imagine it. Right. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um yeah, we'll all be reading new things and we're going to be talking to just fantastic surprise guests and um having a little bit of uh Nick at night inspired Nickish. Yeah, fun. I can't imagine so. there won't be alcoholic beer there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm gonna be making a delicious, delicious mixed bevy, um, <laughs> putting in a goddamn. Uh, I cannot wait. I'm not, and I'm not gonna say anything. But if you think about the commercials 
that were on at Nick at, uh, Nick at night, you may have a good idea as to <laughs> what kind of uh, what, what kind of bevy I'm I'm putting together for. Oh this. baby, so, um, oh baby, it will be a blast. And dude, oh can't wait. I don't I don't know about you or your school, but uh, that day is the first day of spring break. Uh, we have off as well. Oh, oh baby. Man. Imagine if Daniel does it. It's going to be so fucking <laughs> That would be uh, the perfect scenario for this situation. <laughs> yeah, just, just such a such a straight-up Nick-dominated scene there. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll see. We'll see. He probably does, and then we'll, we'll just, in, uh, you know, r- reel him into uh, uh, to the, the extravaganza. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. But uh, let's just hit him with the hit him with the socias and and uh, thank you very much for uh, chatting to me solo. Oh, what a <laughs> what a what a lovely evening this was, Nick. And uh, thank you for giving these uh, this book and, and the record to me. These really terrific. Um, hey, folks out there, all our dear listener. Why don't you check us out on Facebook.com slash Book Record Beer Podcast. We're on Twitter at Book Record Beer. We were on Instagram at Book.Record.Beer, but Daniel got us locked out of that account. Um, so maybe one day we'll be back. And then uh, we've, we're have we on anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's where you can listen to us. So make sure you do and you share it and you tell your friends. Have a wonderful time. Have a wonderful night. See you. Bye-bye.